Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you text the word Eric, my name, and uh, for those of you new to the program, spells a little differently, E-R-I-C-K, not just E-R-I-C, E-R-I-C-K. Uh, text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. If you click the first link, you will get my daily show notes email, all the stuff I talk about on the show and then some. Uh, send, we send it out at noon every day right when the show starts. And also, um, in the mornings, I ch- tend to have a piece out. You should subscribe. But also, if you text Eric to 33777, you get all the other links, social media links. You can find me on Instagram, on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, you name it. Uh, everywhere now, I, I I do want to do something because I am mindful. I, I have a number of new stations uh, that have come online. For those of you who have been longtime listeners, I should tell you, uh, I have signed an agreement for a national syndication, and we've already spread out around the country. We're in Montana and Oregon and Arizona and Nevada and the like. Some we're just running on the weekend. Have some stations expanding, but we've got a lot of new stations coming online. Uh, for us. And so uh, just real quick, for those of you who are new and you're wondering who the hell is this guy and where's the guy who was here last week? Uh, I live in Macon, Georgia. Grew up in Dubai. I have a somewhat interesting um, background, I guess you could say, because I actually, when I was five years old, my dad's company worked for an oil company and they basically said, uh, Pick, a, pick one of these countries to go to or you're out of a job. And so he picked one and they said, okay, pick another one. Okay. All right. So you're going to Dubai. So when I was five, my family packed up, we moved to Dubai and we came back to the States when I was 15. We'd come home during the summer for a couple of months, but otherwise we lived in Dubai. And the, the weird, cool thing about it was every few months, our visas would expire and we had to pick a place to go. So I've still been to more countries than States. I've actually got an opportunity to go to Kentucky uh, in uh, another month. And I, I've never been to Kentucky before. I'm ready to go to Kentucky. I want to hit the bourbon trail, take my golf clubs, hit the bourbon trail. But anyway, so went to school in Macon, Georgia, stayed, met my wife. Uh, we got married, wanted to work in Washington and politics. Instead, I stayed in Macon and flew around the country running political races, being a lawyer, and fell into TV and then radio by accident. And here I am now talking to you guys nationwide. It's It's been a wild uh, ride, surreptitious, providential, it's not surreptitious, uh, serendipitous, providential, lucky, however you want to talk about it. But here I am. And now, uh, one of the topics I continue to be fascinated by, I have continued to maintain one of the reasons we're going through whatever we're going through in, in our nation right now, this, this kind of upheaval. Have you noticed Friends of yours now sometimes have positions they didn't have a few years ago. Or they have the positions they had a few years ago, but they're more vehement and striding about them now. Or you're thinking, what the heck happened? Why do you now believe this stuff that isn't true or that you don't think is true? Or why why do you not now believe stuff that you used to believe? It, it just the world seems to have lost its mind. People seem to have gone crazy in, in some cases. And People just, they've, they're they're not now many people, they don't believe what they used to believe. And there are a lot of us, and I put myself in this camp, I still believe the stuff I believed five years ago, 10 years ago. And yet now I feel oftentimes like I don't have a political home. 
For example, I'm getting yelled at online by some people I know for uh, not buying the retelling of the January 6th stuff from Tucker Carlson. I mean, we just last week learned that many of these Fox hosts tell their audience what they think the audience wants to hear instead of telling them the truth because they're afraid of the audience getting mad at them. So why should I believe the January 6th committee's retelling of events or Tucker Carlson's? Why can't I watch all the clips myself and conclude that, yes, some people didn't deserve to get smacked, and a lot of them did? What's happening here is we're going through a political realignment of the country, and it happens every 100 years or so. And some coalitions and some groups within coalitions and some political parties begin to break apart. They begin to tatter. They begin to realign. Some people who were once Republicans become Democrats. Some people who were Democrats become Republicans. We've seen this with uh, the working class in this country. The working class in this country is more and more becoming aligned with the right. More and more black and Hispanic voters are leaving the, the rich white wokes of the Democratic Party to become Republican or independent voters and vote cross-party lines. We're entering a period of realignment in American politics. And part of that, too, is the Asian-American community. This is from David Lenhart at the New York Times. The Chicago town area of Sunset Park, Brooklyn, was long a Democratic stronghold. The party's candidates would often receive more than 70% of the vote there. Last year, however, the neighborhood underwent a political transformation. Lee Zeldin, the Republican nominee for governor, managed to win Sunset Park's Chinatown, receiving more votes than Governor Kathy Hochul. This map by my colleague Jason Cowell shows the change, and indeed it shows a major shift to the right. The shift is part of a national story. In the past two elections, 2020 and 2022, Asian Americans have moved toward the right according to election results and exit polls. Democrats still won Asian voters by a wide margin in last year's midterms, but by less than in recent years. In Texas, Governor Greg Abbott, the Republican incumbent, beat Beto O'Rourke among Asian voters 52 to 46. And Texas House Republicans also did well, according to polls by the Asian American Legal Defense and Education Fund. In statewide races in Florida and Georgia, the Republican candidates received at least one-third of the vote substantially more than in previous elections. The Times published a series of maps and charts focusing on New York City neighborhoods where most eligible voters are of Asian descent, including Sunset Park, Flushing's, and Flushing and Manhattan's Chinatown. Jason, who writes with him, told me that he had started thinking about the subject after his father, who rarely talks about politics, said he voted for Zeldin. Later, Jason saw a post-election map of New York and was shocked to see some of the Chinatown neighborhoods where he grew up were colored red. As Aminta Kilowan-Nareen, a community activist who was raised in South Richmond Hill, which is home to a large Indian American population, told Jason, I've never seen so many signs for a Republican governor in the area I grew up in. She was one of the local leaders, academic researchers, and political officials whom he interviewed. And he heard a couple of points. Now listen to these. These are important. Republican campaigns have increased their outreach to Asian voters, while Democratic candidates have grown complacent. Education issues hurt Democrats. Asian voters have been unhappy with proposals to change rules for magnet schools. Perhaps most important, 
the Republicans' anti-crime message resonated. Following increases in citywide crime and anti-Asian violence, and it turned out, by the way, the anti-Asian violence happened mostly by who? Younger black men. Not by white people, as Democrats wanted to claim the age of Trump. Also, and this one gets me, now Now listen to this one because this is my jumping off point here. Asian Americans are politically diverse. The most heavily Democratic groups include those of Indian, Pakistani, Bangladeshi, and Arab descent. The least Democratic group is Vietnamese Americans, followed by Korean, Cambodian, and Filipino Americans. There's also a class divide. Working class Asian voters far more likely to go Republican these days. This is the thing that bothers me about these discussions, the about the Hispanic Latino vote or about the Asian American vote, Asian American Pacific Islanders. These are census-created, fabricated classes. They don't actually exist. Who is a Hispanic or Latino voter? Well, they're Argentinian, Panamanian, Guatemalan, Honduran, Mexican, Dominican, Haitian, actual Spanish, Chilean, Bolivian. They're not Hispanic. They have a nation state home from which they originated. Same with Asian Americans. They're Chinese, they're Vietnamese, they're Cambodian, they're Korean, they're Taiwanese, they're Indian, they're Bangladeshi, they're Malaysian, they're Thai, they're Indonesian. They're they're not homogenous. And what you what I find fascinating is if you look uh, if you look at Asia to the east, you have the the Chinese, the Vietnamese, the Cambodians, the Thais, the Philippines, the Koreans, the Taiwanese. Those tend to be cultures that are the very entrepreneurial cultures, and those people are moving to the GOP. When you look at the Indian subcontinent, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, that area, those tend to be more. Uh, state-supported groups, they have a, a social welfare states, particularly lower caste, depend on, on more government dependence, and uh, poverty-stricken areas depend on government, and those people tend to vote Democrat, social safety net issues. It's the entrepreneurial class and the faith-based classes of Asian voters that tend to be becoming more and more Republican after years of voting Democrat. You know, Korean Americans in particular are the most Christianized of the Asian communities. Uh, the Presby- Some of the largest Presbyterian churches in the world are in South Korea. It's a highly Christian community. People don't realize that. And they tend to vote very Republican. We're seeing this in the Hispanic community as well, where uh, you come from uh, socialist governments. They still tend to be largely Democratic. However, as they've converted to... Uh, evangelical Christianity out of Catholicism, those Hispanic voters are rock-ribbed, country-music-listing Republican voters. You find a Hispanic family that has immigrated from Central or South America, and you ask them if they've converted from Catholicism to an evangelical uh, denomination, increasingly it's some branch of Pentecostalism or charismatic religion, and increasingly they become rock-ribbed conservative voters. And often there is a component of whiteness, if we're really honest about it. They view themselves as white, and white people tend to vote Republican, and so they do. There is that component there. You can't dismiss it. It shows up in the polling. But all of this is throwing all of the parties for a loop. 
The Republican Party used to be much more racially homogenous, oftentimes the party of white people. The Democratic Party, very diverse. But as the Democratic Party continues to get wealthier, whiter, and more secular, black and Hispanic voters and Asian voters who are faith-based tend to be headed more towards the GOP. That's realigning both parties. Their values become different. Their priorities become different. It's not a bad thing. It's just an uncomfortable thing because you, like me, can sit there and say, well, I haven't changed on this issue ever. How am I suddenly an outcast in my party? Well, it's because the parties are realigning. You haven't done anything wrong, but neither has the party. It's just people change. And and the key to getting through it is trying to keep yourself sane and also not hating the people who you no longer agree with, just, just actually trying to get along with people. Some people you'll never get along with. Some people you'll never like. But trying at least to recognize and accommodate the variations in people's beliefs now is something that's necessary. This is also giving rise to some third-party challenges that I don't know that they'll ever come about in anything. However, the Democrats are really, really worried about a third-party challenge in 2024. When we come back, I've got those details. Welcome. I hope you're doing well. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, 877-973-7425. So many people have been convinced that uh, Donald Trump could put the GOP in a predicament in 2024 if he loses the Republican primary and then runs third party. That's not actually a legitimate fear. The reason is because of sore loser laws. Sore loser laws say that if you start out in a Republican race and then you don't do well, you lose, you can't then go into a third party race. So, for example, if Donald Trump loses the Iowa caucuses and then says, well, uh, I think I'm just going to go run as a third party, he can't now. Uh, Once you've gotten votes in one of these primaries or caucuses, you're precluded from doing so under sore loser laws in more than 30 states. So there's no way he could compete uh, nationally. Uh, Maybe maybe, uh, attempting to sabotage DeSantis in a few states, but if DeSantis were the nominee, but it probably wouldn't work. The real concern about third parties now is on the Democratic side. There's a group called No Labels. No Labels wants a moderate. They want a moderate on every issue. and, And they're worried about Donald Trump on the right and Democrats ditching Joe Biden for a more progressive candidate. So they've been trying to get ballot access around the country. And the Democrats have been running polls. And it turns out... A third-party candidate is more likely to hurt Joe Biden than to hurt a Republican. If it's Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump on the GOP side, polling suggests the Republicans could hold their votes. But if it's not Joe Biden on the Democratic side, and to some degree even if it is Joe Biden, if he doesn't tack towards the center, a lot of moderate independent voters are willing to consider a third party. Here's the rub, though. At the end of the day, I don't think they really are. I don't really believe that most voters are willing to vote third party. At one point in my life, I thought so. And then 2016 happened. You had Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton running, two of the least liked politicians in America. 
Donald Trump was just less unliked than Hillary Clinton. She was more hated than, than Trump, and she lost. And a lot of people voted third party, but it wasn't enough for anybody to matter. I don't think we're going to see a mass embrace of a third party in this country. I have long ago thought we would, but I just I, – our country is so programmed to vote Democrat-Republican. I just don't think a lot of people will ever go third party, not enough to ever matter, uh, unless you have another figure, a charismatic figure like Ross Perot, and individually that candidate with a lot of money could matter. But otherwise, it's not going to happen. Uh, it's just interesting to note, though, Democrats are now more worried than Republicans – because they recognize they may just have gotten too progressive for most everybody. Hi, welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation from Atlanta, Georgia. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. Can we have some level of a nuanced conversation? I, I don't know that we can. About corporations and the wokes and and all of that. Let let's let's try to delve into this. Maybe possibly delve into this. <laughs> uh, so Walgreens has decided it's not going to distribute uh, the abortion pill in twenty states. It said on Friday it won't do this. Um, it recognizes the lawsuits it would get in those states. The company says it will not dispense uh, mefepristone, the first of two drugs in the medication abortion process, in 20 states following a February 1st letter from Republican Attorneys General. Retail pharmacies have been caught in the middle of the abortion battle. Companies are loath to antagonize lawmakers in states where they face politically motivated reprisals. Now, Here's the problem for Walgreens. Gavin Newsom has now come after Walgreens. What was so interesting here is that Newsom was on the attack against Florida when when Florida decided to punish Disney for coming out against the Parental Rights and Education Act. Notice, I did not say the Don't Say Gay Bill because that's a mischaracterization branded by the left. It's Parental Rights and Education Act. And when Disney opposed the Parental Rights and Education Act, which simply says you can't teach sex ed and uh, gender issues in first through third kindergarten through third grade, something most parents agree with, when Disney came out against it, Florida, of course, went to war with Disney and won. Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, came out and took Disney's side and says, we will not bully, badger, harass, cajole companies and force them to align with our politics. That's how you do business in California. Got that? They are not going to force companies to align to their politics to do business in California because that's not good for business. That was Gavin Newsom's position when Disney was embracing a progressive position against Florida. Gavin Newsom is now saying his state will not do business with Walgreens because in 20 states, Walgreens has decided not to provide the abortifacient medicine. They're going to provide it in California. 
They're just not going to provide it in some other states. Gavin Newsom, of course, has now rather famously blocked taxpayer funds in California from going to any travel to a handful of conservative states. Now, there's another story. Kevin Blackstone, Blackistone, B-L-A-C-K-I-S-T-O-N-E, Black I Stone, Kevin Blackstone, has a piece in the Washington Post. And I need to read you some of this. There was a time when America's pastime showed a weariness of Florida's hostile approach to inclusiveness, which in some ways is being reconstituted by its former governor, by its current governor, Ron DeSantis. It was not necessarily coincidental that the year was 1947, the same season the game allowed Jackie Robinson to be the first black man to play in its major leagues in 60 years. The Brooklyn Dodgers, who famously signed Robinson, strategically opened spring training in Havana that year. Dodgers co-owner and general manager Branch Rigge, who directed the recruitment and signing of Robinson, wanted him to break in where black baseball players had a more comfortable history. But Ricky's new peer in Cleveland, Bill Veek, who has searched for a way to break the game's color barrier earlier in the decade, decided to go a step further. He junked tradition. After buying the Cleveland franchise in 46, Veek decided in 47 to detach the team from its Lakeland, Florida spring training grounds where it had been since 1922 and replanted in Tucson. He thought Arizona, which he had explored as a retirement home, would be more hospitable to black players than Florida. Just last month, DeSantis called a new advanced placement high school course in African-American studies indoctrination. Earlier this year, he proposed a ban on state funding for any college program that embraces diversity, equity, and inclusion or critical theory. You can imagine where this is heading. That now, perhaps, Major League Baseball needs to pull out of Florida because of Florida's politics. These stories are related, of course, because you have loud voices wanting to punish businesses for business decisions that they disagree with. Now, you should know, uh, my buddy Ben Dominich pointed out that this writer, Ken Blackstone, is a racist and reading from Ben Dominich. Ken Blackstone is a racist anti-Semite who said America should boycott the Olympics because Israel was a participant. Now he's treating Florida the same way. Blackstone, despite making most of his money from Maryland taxpayers, is one of the most bigoted people on ESPN, a Jew hater who was also in favor of banning the national anthem before sporting events. Blackstone called for worldwide bans on Israeli teams in sports due to the, quote, apartheid-like thumb of the Jewish state. Quote, could it not be time for sports to illuminate Israel's occupation of the Palestinians? He also engaged in bizarre nascent of Islam-style anti-Jew conspiracies against sports execs, including this one. Abe Pollen, Blackstone wrote, moved to replace Bullet's name of his WNBA or his NBA team after his friend Yitzhak Rabin was assassinated shortly after promoting Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. 
and it goes on from there. So this guy's not uh, not a, not a not a great guy to begin with. But the problem here, the common tie here, is that Gavin Newsom was fine with Disney being progressive and wanted Disney protected. But when Walgreens doesn't want to do business in certain ways in certain states that don't impact California, Newsom wants to punish them. This writer at the Washington Post, who's on the left, wants to punish Major League Baseball for doing business in Florida. Time and again, with very few exceptions, it is progressives who want to punish businesses for doing businesses with conservatives in conservative ways. They want to punish businesses. The moral of the story here is that the businesses can't play along with it. What's going to happen if Gavin Newsom wins? What if Walgreens folds and says, you know what? Gavin Newsom's right. We're going to sell this abortion pill in these 20 states. Well, Walgreens is going to get sued in every which way by these conservative states. And Walgreens will ultimately more likely to not lose in several of these states. And in losing in several of these states, they'll be back to square one where we can't do business. And will Gavin Newsom now say, well, since a court won't let you do business, we'll let you slide. Politicians are trying to force corporate America to play games. And they're doing it in large part because corporations chose to play the game to begin with. The woke corporations. For International Women's Day the other week, Hershey put out chocolate bars in Canada with the play on the pronoun nonsense, a her bar and a she bar. You get it? Ha, ha, ha. And they use transgender activists to do it to essentially say that men are now women. And those women are women and those women are real. Hershey's now memory holder. They've deleted everything. You can't find it online from Hershey that they did this. It became an issue. There's a growing number of women in this country who resent like hell the idea that a man can declare himself a woman and be treated as a woman. There was a poll out the other day. 25% of liberals believe, or no, 25% of self-described progressives believe that a man who declares himself a woman is, in fact, a biological woman. 25% of progressives believe a trans woman is biologically a woman, which is not true. Not only that, this is some of the most bizarre stuff I have seen in a while uh, from Healthline. Healthline is a uh, healthcare service that puts out information um, on health, and they put this tweet out. Anyone... Anyone, ladies, anyone can develop endometriosis, but the risk varies based on factors like a person's sex assigned at birth or having an immediate family member with the condition. It's Endometriosis Awareness Month, and Healthline wants you to know anyone can develop endometriosis. That is not true. That is not true. It is false. Endometriosis is a medical problem inside the uterus. So not anyone can develop endometriosis. Interestingly enough, they ran this story about how anyone can develop endometriosis and their picture, their stock photo to go with it, is a bunch of women. There's no men in the picture. They want you to believe that. And of course, their, their virtue signaling patted on the back. 
the trans community is excited with them. They get away with it. There's another story out there, super horrific story here. This is from Carol Markowitz at Fox News. The recent story of a teacher transitioning a girl in secret at school, keeping it from her parents. It happened in a red hamlet, in a red town, in a red county. That's right. A teacher helped a girl transition in a bright red part of the country. In a bright red county. And did it behind the the kid's back. By the way, the kid was nine years old. The teacher assigned the student a new boy name and referred to the child as a boy. The parents were only alerted to what was going on when their daughter started having suicidal thoughts. It was a red part of America in a staunchly conservative town, and the teacher did this. And the teacher will undoubtedly be applauded by a lot of people on the left. I'm sure the teacher can go work in Gavin Newsom's California. The problem here, though, is we kind of did this to ourselves, did we not? These woke corporations, uh, they've all played in in the woke arena. Walgreens has, CVS has. My gosh, CVS has all of its diversity nonsense. And so they've signaled to the left, we're on your side on these issues. We're on your side in all these things. And now suddenly they're having to cave in con- to conservatives in conservative states. And the liberals are like, you can't cave to them. You're on our side. How dare you? Because they chose to engage in the performative nonsense to begin with. They chose to signal their left-wing virtue. And now the left is saying, you you can't change your mind, even if it gets you in trouble. There's a consequence. There's a cost. And they're having to deal with it. Major League Baseball. Of course they can be bullied. Stacey Abrams bullied Major League Baseball into pulling out of Georgia for its all-star game. Of course this guy in the Washington Post knows Major League Baseball will listen. He's willing to be bullied. They will pull everybody out of Florida if this guy can get them to do it. Except it would be costly to do that in Florida. To pull all the teams out of Florida would be a big deal. And not all the, not all the owners will go along with it. But this guy knows he can take them on because they've already caved to Stacey Abrams. You cave once, you're going to keep caving. The only way to win is to not play the game. It's the only way to win. I mean, I could have told Walgreens off the bat that that carrying that medicine was bad news for Walgreens because they were going to get it from all sides, but Walgreens chose to play the game. So Walgreens is going to get burned. I feel sorry, though, for the parents when they're in an education environment and the teachers have decided to play the game and they hide behind their back and the like. Absolutely bizarre that these sorts of things are happening. And Gavin Newsom will egg them on. The left will egg these corporations on to be reliably progressive. And the problem is if the if the companies decide to embrace the branding and the identity, they're going to alienate half their customer base. And then when they make decisions to woo that customer base back, they're gonna they're gonna alienate the other side. If they would just not be woke out of the gate, if they would just avoid the virtue signaling branding out of the gate. They wouldn't have these problems. Maybe Gavin Newsom bullying Walgreens will help other corporations realize you can't afford to be woke and you can't afford to virtue signal pretending to be woke when you're not. Or eventually, you will set yourself up for the government to come after you. So maybe, perhaps, this is a good lesson learned. Now, I want you to learn your lessons when it comes to uh, figuring out what to do with precious metals and the like. There are so many options out there for you. 
and I've tried to find you a company that you can do business with. And I found Advantage Gold. They're TrustLink's number one highest rated gold company seven years in a row. What I liked about them is when I called them, didn't tell them who I was, they answered all my questions and they did it without the shtick. They did it without the pressure. They just wanted me to have the most knowledge possible to figure out whether or not I wanted to use gold in my retirement, my 401k, my IRA, or just my general investments. With the markets the way they are right now, my goodness gracious, you don't want to look at the Dow Jones right now. It's down over almost 600 points. You might want to consider using gold in your retirement to ease the ebbs and flows. Advantage Gold can help you. 800-450-2566. Advantage Gold wants to give you a free gold IRA investment kit that tells you what you need to know. Call them at 800-450-2566 today. They can answer your questions without the gimmick, without a hard sales pitch. They just believe that if they can make you knowledgeable about using gold in your portfolio, you'll use it and you'll use it with them. And I don't think they're wrong. They're good people. 800-450-2566. Advantage Gold, 800-450-2566. This hour of the program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan, wherever you are nationwide. If you're listening on our new affiliate, WICC, up in Connecticut, First Liberty can help your business grow. If you need access to loans, $750,000 or more, you're buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, expanding your franchise, buying out your business partners, whatever. First Liberty can help you. They're in Noonan, Georgia. Don't let that deter you. They can help you nationwide. I've known the Frost family for years. They are great people. They've been doing this since the 1990s. They make their own decisions. They may be able to get you yes, where banks are saying no. Reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com. Tell them I sent you, firstlibertyga.com. All right, when we come back, uh, we got a little bit of a disturbing story to talk about. I'll I'll set it up for you here and just tell you that uh, in the back channels, the whispered notes down the corridors of the Pentagon, there's a growing recognition we are not prepared to deal with China militarily. And in fact, the Chinese premier gave a speech over the weekend suggesting we're closer to war with them than ever. And his uh, another minister in China pretty much said the same thing. It seems like they are they are rooting for military confrontation with the United States, um, and we need to talk about that right now. However, I need you to know some breaking news: the Dow Industrial Average is down 558 points. Nasdaq is down 128 points. The S&P 500 is down 60 points. Uh, The New York Composite down 248. Why? Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, has come out very forcefully and very bluntly and said not only are they going to keep raising interest rates, they may now raise interest rates faster than they thought. So many people in the stock market convinced themselves that uh, the interest rate hikes were done. They convinced themselves Jerome Powell wasn't really being honest when he said they could jack up rates quick. They wanted to blow it off. They didn't want to believe it. And now he's come out and reiterated, in fact, that the Federal Reserve could speed up rate increases and could go much higher than otherwise. Um, He wasn't lying. And people didn't believe him. And the stock market was convinced that the Fed would do what was good for the stock market. I've talked to several people who are on the Federal Reserve, and they say the greatest misunderstanding in macroeconomics in America is the stock market people, and the stock exchange people, believe the Fed does what it does to benefit the stock market. 
says they believe this epistemically, and it is flat out not true. The Federal Reserve does not care about the stock market. It's not going to care about the stock market. It's not in its wheelhouse. It cares about inflation and jobs, and that's it. And right now, it cares so much about inflation, it's signaling it could raise rates even higher, even quicker, and the stock market is freaked out. 